connected to that is like even, you know, the demographics, like some of the metrics such as like medium household income or average household income, like those are things that are really important. And that's going to get submarket specific, like that zip code and being able and you might be thinking, well, why does it matter? Well, you want people to be able to afford paying the rent. And if you're dealing with like below the U.S. average in terms of the income, you might have issues collecting rent in that particular, you know, market specific that you're dealing with. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Five Talents Podcast. I'm your host, Abel Pacheco. I interview the top commercial real estate investors and industry experts so you can learn from their experiences. So if you're an investor, a high W-2 earner or real estate or tech sales professional that wants to invest in real estate without having to manage properties or leave your day job, then this podcast is for you. Or if you're already investing in real estate, but you're doing it part-time and you wanna become a full-time multifamily or full-time commercial real estate investor, this podcast is for you too. You're gonna learn a ton. You will learn from real life multifamily investors and other professionals in the industry. They're gonna share their blueprints for success. And I'm super excited that you're here. So I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, hello, this is Abel Pacheco, your host for the Five Talents Podcast. We are super excited today. We're lucky, we're blessed, we're humbled, we're appreciative. Miss Lisa Hilton gets to join us today on our show. Mrs. Lisa Hilton, how's it going? I'm doing good. Glad to be here. Glad to be here, Abel. I am super excited and just humbled that you join us. So much appreciative, much love, much all the goodness. And thank you for spending a few minutes with us, our listeners, our guests, everyone that's here. So we're excited. So for those of you that don't know Lisa, she is the host of the Level Up REI podcast. She's been a CPA for years, like 10 years of auditing experience at PwC. She's been a controller. She's been a private equity real estate, you know, fund investment manager, all the all the fun stuff and titles. I'll let her share the official titles, but if you don't know her, you need to get in her world. $250 million plus dollars of crazy real estate, multifamily, commercial, one shape, form, fashion, or another, passive investor, general partner, principal, all the fun stuff, fun, you know. Anyways, she's been associated with two, let me say this again, like nearly a quarter billion dollars of real estate. <laughs> so somebody very fun to talk to. So Lisa, let me turn it over to you after I, my excitement is not going to wear off. So let me turn it over to you a second. Tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do in your own words, please. Yeah, totally. Thanks for having me again. I really, really appreciate it. I grew up in a real estate family. My father was a contractor. He built 14 apartment units when I was a child. Um, and then when I was in middle school, he was diagnosed with a brain tumor that ultimately took his life by time I was in college. Oh but because God. he made that investment early, that enabled my family to continue to go forward, uh, myself and my two younger siblings, to keep moving along with my mom. And we still have those properties today. My mom takes care of them in her retirement. So definitely oh that was my early, yeah, that was my oh, early wow. start in terms of real estate. 
And then, you know, my parents were all about us going to school, getting a really good education, going to college. So I went to school for accounting, came out, got a really good job working at PwC, did that for about 10 years. But during that time, I bought my first place, which was in Cayman, a two bedroom, two and a half bath. And I bought it because I loved it. You know, for a lot of people today, you know, the craze is to buy a home, buy a home, buy a home, buy a home, right? And like everyone's just out there hunting and overbidding and buying homes like crazy. And, you know, not necessarily, you know, coming at it from an investor's point of view. Like, how does this, you know, property cash flow? It could it cash flow, that kind of stuff. And then I eventually put that property onto the market to rent. It broke even the first year and lost money for a total of six years. So I had to float that property because the income wasn't greater than the expenses, the cost it took to run the property each month. So I got definitely a lesson in real estate straight off the bat. And when I bought the property, I didn't think that I was going to be leaving Cayman. But a year after I purchased it, I ended up leaving to go to Boston. I was in Boston for a total of four years. And because I didn't think about property management, I couldn't afford property management. So another lesson learned along the journey. And then I got to LA, still had the property and got a bill for over $1,000 in my email from the AC company. The AC had broken down. The tenant called the AC company. And I said, you know what? This property has got to go. It's done. And I was like, you know what? No more real estate. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, this property has got to go, you know? And I was like, you know what? I sold it. And I was like, no more real estate. I'm done. Oh, Um, wow. (laughs) And I say the universe has a sense of humor because a year later, I ended up taking a job working at Ah. a private equity firm on real estate funds. Yeah. You You don't want to work in real estate? Here, be an employee of, watch everyone else make millions of dollars and and you get paid a salary or an hourly figure or something. That's exactly what happened. And that's how I got woken up really quickly. Yeah. You want to be an employee? Um, There you go. There you go. So yeah, I went from thinking about buying duplexes here in Los Angeles that cost over a million dollars. This was back in 2017. So you can imagine they're still at a million today (laughs) and more. And then to turn keys out of state, just couldn't pull the trigger. And then eventually got introduced to real estate syndications, totally changed my entire outlook in terms of investing. And here I am today building that real estate business and going from there. Boom. What a tremendous story. What a tremendous story, Lisa. I think, you know, I talked to so many different investors just like you and I. And one thing that actually I love hearing over and over and over again is that for all intents and purposes, you sound like an everyday average individual that's done some amazing, exceptional, crazy things in your life. And it inspires me because I go, oh, well, she sounds like a you know normal person. She's invested in a quarter billion dollars worth of real estate. I can do the same and you inspire me. So I'm motivated and you know this is awesome. So all the way back to your father, if I can, if I can pull you yeah. back, I'd love yeah. to you know, just kind of learn a little bit more. And obviously it's one of those topics that I'm sure is, you know, brings out a lot of emotions, but can you share some of those early memories you have of, you know, yourself with your dad list, you know, watching him, learning from him and how do those, some of the same, you know, kind of insights still apply today. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, 
Yeah. Wow. 100%. My parents were extremely hardworking. Neither of them went to college. Neither of them came from means, but both of them were willing to take big risks to be like to build like at that time, being in an area deciding to make to build those kinds of apartments then had to have been, you know, you taking a risk to do it and being able working at night to make it happen. Definitely, my parents are super hardworking. <laughs> and I felt like as though I grew up in that culture of, you know, working hard and getting out there and like um, and making things happen and like not like sort of letting their circumstances be an excuse for why they couldn't get to where they wanted to be in life because neither of them went to college and, you know, education but they saw education was super important for their children. So they made the sacrifices in order to make sure that we had the ability to go to school and get a really good education, you know, and to be able to come out and be able to take care of ourselves. So for sure. And then through that, you know, cleaning the apartments, maintaining them, you know, property management, you know, mom and pop property management. They were doing it. They were <laughs> working right. hard, right? Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. They you had know, normal and maintaining jobs that. in addition to all of that. Yeah. My father was a contractor, so he would work um, okay. in, on that the construction sites. Yeah. yeah. And then my mom was a stay at home mom until she eventually then went into the schools and then worked as an assistant teacher. At one point, she was even working in like admin in the in the banks and stuff like that. So now these days she runs it herself and she's doing an amazing job. So, yeah, like, you know, it's just a testament that. Those properties are over 30 years old because I'm over wow. 30 years old. Wow. You know, like, so real estate is an absolutely amazing investment. Your, da- your dad did that on his own? Like what, you know, no syndication or partnership no syndication. or anything like that. It was just, mm. hey, yeah. saving a lot of money, one dollar yeah. at a time. That's right. And feeding his project, putting his sweat equity That's with right. his work, not probably not paying somebody else with him doing it actually. Right. And then- Still, I'm sure, hire crew and all that stuff, but it was him that's as right. a general contractor, him making it happen. That's right. Loan, yeah. lender, all that good stuff. And that's, how many doors is that, Lisa? 13, 13 units okay. in total. So let me, I'll pause yeah. right here too. For any investor yeah. that's listening, sometimes you hear me say, oh, I'm in 800 doors. I'm a general partner mm-hmm. in 700 and invested in a thousand. Well, there's a difference. I met someone at a conference maybe a couple of weeks ago and they go, well, I only own 32 doors. And I go, you own 32 doors, like you're the owner, no partners, anything. And that person goes, oh, no, no, those are mine. He goes, I have dead partners that helped me, you know, put some money down, but they don't own any of the equity. Equity is 100% mine. And I said, okay, mm-hmm. well, there's one thing or concept to kind of know, no matter what number of doors people say, mm-hmm. the percentage of ownership and the fact that Lisa's dad from the beginning created this 14 unit, you know, apartment complex as a hundred percent owner, now there's no partners to worry about selling early, the right. finance yeah. questions. Your mom, you know, obviously sells to do the work part of it, but that's a seed that your father planted 30 years ago and it's still generating income mm-hmm. to this very day. And 100%. it'll probably do that in the next 30 some odd years, however long you guys decide to hold yep. it, right? hundred percent, for sure, without a doubt. Amazing, so amazing. So, okay. Yeah. We get it. I, I think I have a little sense. Hopefully our listeners have a little sense of like how you grew up. This is really yeah. freaking cool. 
And you, again, doing these above average, amazing things. What I heard was you took the hard work, the persistence, you know, the perseverance, everything that your parents had, you know, kind of lived with, it's rubbed off on you, uh, taking their ability to take risk, to move the ball forward, to try to do that. And you've applied some of that now. Tell us, I think I paused you around the work part. So fate would have it. It drove me back to a W2, watching everyone else. And then, you know, tell us how you transitioned to what you're doing today. Yeah. You know, I always knew that I wasn't going to stay in corporate America for the rest of my life. I didn't know how I was going to transition out, you know, yeah. but I just knew I wasn't going to stay for the rest of my life. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people listening today probably can resonate with that. They know that they're not going to stay in corporate America for the rest of their life, but they just don't know like how and like how to make that happen. And for me, I was searching for that how, and because I was searching you know, I was also saving. And, you know, once I made the decision to take this last position, I said, you know what, I'm going to make this the last one that I am in corporate America for. It was really tough because I was like, man, this is so scary. (laughs) But, you know, I made adjustments to, for me as an accountant, my background is numbers. Like I could run the numbers to sort of see like, financially, what kind of runway, like what I needed to do over the next four years, which is how long, four and a half years is how long I stayed there to, you know, build the runway, even though I wasn't sure what I was going to leave to do. So at least I had the financial runway. And then once I found the vehicle, which was real estate syndication, and I saw that, okay, I love real estate and I love the syndication, the synergy of building teams and being able to provide these opportunities for people to invest. I was like, awesome, this is the path. And then I feel like at some point, you then need to double down on your goal and, you know, commit, like take it to the next level. And I took a stock at where I was in my life. And I said, you know what? There is never going to be another time that is more perfect than this time. As imperfect as it is, it's also perfect. And I need to take the risk and go for it and play full out. And that's what I did. So earlier this year in March, I made the tough decision to leave. (laughs) And since then, it's been a crazy roller coaster, but it's been good. I'm like so happy that I decided to make the plunge. And so, yeah, I'm like totally going for it. Let's go. Yeah. (laughs) All right. All right. So this is awesome. Thanks for joining us. And I really appreciate the opportunity, you know, just to learn a little from you. So I would say our audience is probably a mix of a couple people that I've met. We started going to these in-person meetups, which is really cool. And everyone's like, hey, I've been watching your podcast. And I'm like, all right, cool. Who are you? What do you do? And (laughs) I get to ask. And a lot of us are passive investors that want to learn more about like how to just do it correctly. How to make sure mm-hmm. that my seed, I'm okay with taking a risk. I don't want right. to lose my money. <laughs> yeah. Two different things, right? I kind of like, I'm okay with it, but I don't want to lose my money. I still don't want to do that. So that's one type of listener. And another one is mm-hmm. they see other individuals doing this. So there's some active folks that want right. to go lead deals. So let's talk for a few minutes for the passive investors, mm-hmm. like watching numbers, CPA, mm-hmm. working as a fund manager, God, what are the biggest lessons you've learned about, you know, investing in commercial real estate, multifamily real estate, all the ins and outs? Let's, you know, talk about that. And I think that's a yeah. great starting point. 
Of course, of course. So a couple of things. Number one, you know, for passive investors who are listening today, you don't have a lot of time. And if you don't have a lot of time and you're looking at properties, you're looking at these syndication deals and you're trying to determine whether you're going to invest or not invest, here are some of the things you need to think about. The first thing is market. Where is this asset even located? Before you even go even deeper into anything else, it's like, where is it located? What's it called? And you can easily, quickly research online if this market is experiencing growth population-wise. Is it experiencing growth from a business perspective? Is this a landlord-friendly market or is it a renters-friendly market? These things matter. And they matter because even in the face of COVID, these are the markets you want to be in because they will help you, help the investment, help the operator to the extent that the operator is a good operator. And the idea is that you've already built relationships already with the operator. So we're not going to get into that part right now, but like you should have already built that relationship with the operator. If you haven't, then spending the time to build the relationship, which is getting on the phone, talking to them, getting to know who they are, looking at the types of properties that they've done in the past, their track record, and then looking at even communications, like how they communicate with investors in the past to then determine if this is the kind of person you want to invest with. So number one is market. Number two, after you've gotten comfortable with the market, then sort of thinking about, okay, what is the plan that they're doing here? Like, what did they plan to execute? Are they doing a value add or is it a deep value add? Like, what is the business plan? And if it's not clear, like maybe asking the questions about what it is it so that way you can get clear. And then from that sort of thinking, okay, from what you know with this operator, does it make sense? Is it in alignment that they could be doing this type of work? Have they done this before? Because you want to limit something that's called execution risk. So that way they're not playing the first time with your money on an execution that they haven't done in the past. So I think that's like super key and very important. The other key thing that I think that is beneficial for passive investors to look at is also the loan. Like take a look to see what kind of loan is this? Is it a bridge loan? Is it a permanent loan? What is a business plan? Are they planning, like, do they have to refi in order to make these numbers work? Or is refi and just an option on the table? It's like a cherry on top. So it doesn't matter whether they have to do it or not. There are a lot of deals out there that it's a requirement and it's a risk and investing is a risk. So as long as you are okay with that, then by all means go forward. But that's like something that I'm not really interested in. So yeah. Got it. Okay, cool. I got the market planned execution, a lot of bullets, sub bullets under the market yeah. side of it. But yeah, a hundred percent agree with you on the market. You've got to figure out your population, your demographic, right. who's coming in, how many you know jobs, corporations are moving in to the city. And then it's also sub-market specific, right? Yeah. So you can't just say, oh, Texas. I like Texas. Texas mm-hmm. is good. I can't even say I like Austin or San Antonio, right? Because it's now it's very sub-market right. specific. So maybe you can even illuminate that a little bit. What, you know, the difference that you see it from your perspective, yeah. One, you know, micro market versus another, right? Yeah. You know, one of the things I use that helps me a lot is called citydata.com. Mm-hmm. So just getting that zip code can help you to sort of see, you know, what the population has grown around that zip code to then be able for you to determine, okay, does this make sense for you? Or, or does it, or maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. So I think it's really important. 
connected to that is like even, you know, the demographics, like some of the metrics such as like medium household income or average household income, like those are things that are really important. And that's going to get submarket specific, like that zip code and being able, and you might be thinking, well, why does it matter? Well, you want people to be able to afford paying the rent. And if you're dealing with like below the U.S. average in terms of the income, you might have issues collecting rent in that particular, you know, market specific that you're dealing with. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Those are all great points. The citydata.com. We look at this hundred and some odd something page report. I'm sure you've seen many of these. But CoStar reports, for those listening, you're looking at all these data and you're trying to find out, hey, this median income within like this one mile or two mile radius. And if you know, if it says, oh, 55,000 is the household income, then the reason Lisa's saying that because 30% of that income could be considered housing. So Mm -hmm. if the submarket is 55K is what they make in that area, then divided by three and someone can afford to spend $18,000 on housing for that year. Mm -hmm. Well, divide that by 12 and that would be $1,500 of rent. So if if you're going in and buying an apartment complex, they're already renting at 1500 and your operator's plan is to move to 1800. You should be a little wary, cautious. They're like, Oh, red alerts going off as opposed to, Oh, it's at 1100 or 900 in rents. And my plan is to move it up Mm -hmm. still within this median income. So that's what Lisa's kind of recommending here. Yeah, I agree. These are like real good hacks for passive investors, because let's face it, like people, you're busy. You don't have a whole lot of time. You know, you don't have access to CoStar and Yardy and all this stuff. Like you just don't. So like, how do you get comfortable? Like you get comfortable by looking at some of these red flags and just sort of making sure that they things line up and that it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And then I like, you know, the execution risk, right? Building a relationship with a syndicator, an operator, a team Mm -hmm. in advance, because the worst thing you want to do is put yourself in a position to see an offering memorandum. I really want to invest. And then I have to make a decision because they're going to raise $3 million in the next 10 days. And I got to make a decision now. And I'm trying to ask these questions on their, you know, their execution plan or relationship. And then they've got so much other things to do. You have a bunch of other things as opposed to what Lisa recommended, build a relationship now, find out about this stuff now. So that in three months, six months or whatever in the future, you already know them, their background, their track record. It's a lot less stressful to make those decisions, right? Exactly. hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Cause these are marriages. They're not like, you're not dating. (laughs) You're in for, once you invest, you're in. I can't just pull out, Lisa, I can't just pull out in like, (laughs) you know, 60 days or something? No, no, no. No. This is not investing in stocks. So you Mm -hmm. definitely want to make sure you do your homework. Hello, hello. You're listening to the Five Talents Podcast. I'm your host, Abel Pacheco. If you're enjoying this podcast, then I know you're serious about achieving financial freedom. Are you ready to create your own path through multifamily investing for yourself and your family? Then I know you're going to appreciate our investor's guide to multifamily investing. It's titled Tackling Commercial Real Estate the Easy Way. We use this guide to invest ourselves in $93 million worth of real estate. So we're going to show you the basic mechanics of multifamily syndications and how to evaluate your next passive investment opportunity. 
So the best part, if you subscribe to our podcast now, leave us a review and a rating. I'm going to give you a free copy of our ebook. So please take a moment to do that now. Once you've done that, go to 5tcre.com forward slash ebook, 5tcre.com forward slash ebook. Make sure to let us know you left a review and we're going to send you a free copy. So thank you so much for subscribing to the Five Talents Podcast. We really appreciate it. Yeah. And, you know, on this, were you a stock market investor before real estate? or? <laughs> well, yeah, like on my 401k, I do still have some 401k stuff in the stock market. So Okay. So yeah. you're diversified. I hear it oh, oh, yeah. over and over and over again. Most stock market investors are just kind of get eight to 10% return. You know, what do you kind of experience on that side? You of know, it? yeah, you know, I, I could agree with that, you know, but I have seen my money double, but I've also seen it going back down too. Uh, like I remembered yeah. like, you know, so I've seen it both like, you know, luckily I don't have everything in that. Right. So like I yeah, try yeah. to diversify, I believe diversification is important. Yeah. 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 That's good. Yeah. And the eight to 10% stock market investor, you know, we have started to think about 12%. How do I get 12% fixed return over and over and over and over and over and over again? Have you heard Dave Ramsey talk about 12% fixed return or 12% <laughs> no, I return? Not. I don't really listen to a lot of Dave Ramsey, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's, the things that I love that he says, there are those. And then there are some that I'm like, ah, you know, I, I want to leverage a bit more. I'm pretty much almost 100%, like 95% in real estate in some form or fashion. I like put all my eggs in one basket mm -hmm. and watch the basket is kind of what I ended up subscribing to. But I was a 401k investor right. uh, at work for a lot of years. And, yeah. you know, that I also recommend diversification. But if you're like me, who mm -hmm. just put a bunch of money in it, chose a plan, and then like literally did not watch it, yeah. wasn't aware, do not do that because it's just as bad. Like if, yeah. if I'm not educated at least a little bit into like what mix I'm getting into or what is going on, I didn't even check an annual return for like years. I just yeah, didn't I, look at it. There are a um, lot of people who, I would say most people who have their money in the 401k, like they're not looking at that stuff. It's just auto just direct system, right? in and they're trusting the system that somehow back when they get to 65, that they're going to be okay. So if you were like me, don't do that either. And that's pretty much why me and my wife pulled all of our money out, all of our 401k. We went hundred percent right. into multifamily syndication and started putting all of our eggs in that basket. But because I was taking so much education, so many courses, so many sure. seminars, all the stuff that I was educating myself, I go, well, there's no point in me putting money in that side because I right. literally don't know what's going on. Exactly. You know, I put money in and, you know, not the way to do it. So now I'm like, oh, I feel like exactly the opposite. I'm like, oh, well-educated, well, you know, versed in how to do it. So anyways, I, now we're looking for 12% plus is, the, nice. is our goal. Nice, nice, right. nice. Plus, I like the way the real estate syndication business is moving these days because it's now being able to provide some diversity to investors, you know, in oh, the yeah. form of funds. So. so let's break into this fund conversation because now yeah. we officially launched our yeah. fund number two, nice. which is one of the first times that I've been able to publicly talk about it, it was actually right now. So fund two and it's a 506C investment. So 
that's also new for me. And like, start talking about this stuff out loud. Nice. So I'm excited. So what the heck is a fund? Tell us a little bit about this and yeah. what you did and what you're doing now and all the good stuff. Sure. A fund typically is, you know, an entity that's created to invest in more than one asset. You can have different, it can be structured in a variety of different ways. The simplicity of like real estate syndications typically, you know, are approached with the special purpose vehicles. Mm-hmm. So that's the mm-hmm. fund of fund structure um, mm-hmm. where typically you'll have a fund manager will create an entity, which then investors invest in, and they are investing in one investment and that they know about, they're fully aware of and everything. Then you can step it up to another level where you'll have like multiple asset funds and all the investments are also identified and people know what they're getting into. Mm -hmm. That's also available too. Typically, that's not going to be a whole ton of investments. It could be two, three, four, five. Maybe that have been all identified. Investors are all on board with investing in that particular vehicle. And the benefit of it is, you know, as you're going up, the next one is the blind fund. But as you're going up, the minimums are typically around the same. It's still 50K to go into the one that is just one deal. Mm-hmm. Or the next one up, you know, maybe it's two or three deals, four deals. And now you're still investing 50K, but you're getting exposure to now more assets. And then, you know, the top level is like the blind fund. You know, think about like you looking at Abel's screen, like all these different investments that on his background, which is so amazing. Like a fund that just has all of those and maybe even more in it. But the idea is you might not, when you're starting, the fund is typically blind and it's blind because you don't know what investments are going to be in it. So the fund is set up with a strategy and a strategy could be value add, or it could be opportunistic, or it could be a mixture of both, or it could be core. You know, those are more like class A, you know, flagship type investments, that kind of stuff. But the idea is that investors are, when they're looking at these blind funds specifically, they're looking at the track record of the people who are putting these deals together, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and sort of making a decision based on that. That's really what they're doing. And that is where it comes down to having relationships is what is really key there. Cool. Yeah, that's exactly everything you mentioned is what we're going through right now. We just finished our fund one and we're launching our fund two, and then sure. kind of on this stuff, SPV model, right. single purpose vehicle, and we're trying to figure out how to go do that. So you have invested, I guess, which different ways and what's your next steps in here? You've been a passive yeah. investor. Well, your family's an owner, right? <laughs> so that's number one, direct owner. And then you've invested passively and maybe and walk us through done, a little bit of you, yeah what you've so i've done passive investing so i've passively invested in five deals to date four cool. multifamilies one industrial and then i also created a fund which was a single purpose vehicle so i wouldn't really call yeah. it a fund but it's a single purpose vehicle that was used to invest in the 250 units in the atlanta area so that one was actually two different properties and which together came up to 250. That deal actually went full cycle. All the investors got their money back at the end of June, which is really exciting. Honestly, it's like one of the best things to do is send the wires back. You know, being able to give people back their money with friends is one of the most amazing feelings in the world. So yeah, because there's so much trust to take and it's a great honor to be able to give back. So yeah, Yeah. so that's what I would say for that. But then my experience in terms of what 
I have sort of done in the past, like where I'm looking to go these days is to continue to do those single purpose vehicles and then moving more into being able to create vehicles that give people access to more than one investment. And for me, I've seen that in the institutional space when I was working where, yes, they are notorious for blind funds. They have tons of them that where people are coming in, but they also also have a deep track record and stuff like that. So investors are looking at that and then ultimately determining whether they want to invest. But there are also options where, you know, people can come in and sort of say, you know what, I'm committing like maybe 100K or maybe 200K to this fund. And then as you get deals, they get to choose, okay, you know what, I like this deal and I want 50K of my 200 to go into this one. You know, so like I want to be able to provide like that's where I'm sort of building to right now is to get to that spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's perfect. I love it. So exactly what you described is what we're headed towards for a lot of different nice. reasons, but the ability to have one entity, which is a fund right. and at that fund level, we want to give investors options of which deals they want to get into as right. opposed to just saying, Hey, you're instantly across, you know, all of these assets. So I like that option and this ability to diversify mm-hmm. along the same route. So what you were doing yeah. As a fund manager and investment manager, all that stuff in your past, why did the institutions and why did so much money flow to this model? Like, yeah. what was it that drew them to this stuff? I think that, you know, institutional investors, and I'll say that I was a controller in private equity real estate funds. Okay. Institutional investors are attracted to funds because similar to passive investors who are looking to invest, they don't have much time. And they're really good at whatever they're otherwise doing. You know, maybe they, they make are, money in insurance. They make money yeah, in maybe whatever they, banking. Exactly. They make money in this stuff. In oil or whatever, right? And they know their industry really well. And they want to be able to leverage the skills and expertise of people who are in the real estate industry to get their money growing for them while they're continuing to make more money and maybe you know, also invest across different other, you know, platforms or different other investment options as well. They're doing the same thing we are doing. Right. On their level, maybe right. $10 million, $100 million investments, billion dollar, whatever. Right. And we're in at 50 or 100K, but it's the same leverage. It's the same thing that's allowing right. them to win. We're winning too. Correct. And they're providing opportunities for a whole different level of investor, you know, like someone who's able to invest 5 million, 1 million is completely different from someone who can invest 50, 100 or even half a million dollars. Right. And it doesn't make that person. I'm so grateful that this type of industry exists because I did not have opportunities to make these kinds of investments until I found people who like I discovered people who were doing real estate syndications. And I remembered going to a lunch while I was still working my W2 and saying, you know, I'd love to invest in like self-storage. Like, does anyone know how to invest in that? And like, no one knew, no one. And there were auditors and there were people that all the professionals working for the companies were like, I don't know how to get in. They were like, I don't know how to get in unless you're going to go with this company that we work for. And then that was just not an option for me. So, wow. Yeah. So I'm so grateful that it's out here and I want other people to know that you're making good money and maybe a lot of it is in the stock market. 
And maybe some of it could be routed into real estate. Yeah. You know, yep. and let's go start seeing that money coming to you. Let's so, yeah. go. That's I, right. feel, I don't know why in my head I've been, <laughs> I've been hearing this. Everyone's saying that I've been saying it more and I'm like, let's go. It's time. Yeah. It's time to go. And so. I think one of the beautiful things, Abel, that a lot of people don't even think about when they're like, they try to compare real estate to like them investing in stocks, like on their own, like their own brokerage account and yeah, yeah, like yeah. maybe even investing in crypto. But I yeah. think one of the things that gets lost is like, you know, real estate and these properties that are behind you on your background, like they're yeah. not going to disappear overnight. Like the crypto could be here today and gone tomorrow. It could right? be, right, yeah. <laughs> it could double in value tomorrow. It could triple. It could 10 times in value, but it could also, you know, go half. It could yeah. disappear in thin air. Yeah. And the beauty of these types of investments is it, that's just not going to happen. And I think that's the powerful thing that, is lost and like the tax benefits also, you know, just so much really good tax benefits enabling investors to continue to build their money, even though the 1031 exchange is on, you know, it's up for debate in the government, but still hopefully they will do the right thing and leave it, <laughs> leave it alone. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Oh, totally. this is good stuff. Well, thanks Lisa. Well, um, I have a couple more questions, you know, sure. well, let's talk a little bit more, but I want to make sure we get this out there. If somebody wants to connect with you and learn a little bit more about the yeah. SPB offerings, y'all's fun, all the new fun right. stuff that you guys are doing and invest, where do I go? How do I connect? What, what's the sure. word? Sure. So one-stop shop, super easy. LisaHilton.com forward slash invest. Once you go there, lisahilton.com, that's my website. And that's Hilton, like the hotel, only thing with a Y. Everything is there, everything from my podcast to blogs to learning more about investing with me. And then I do have a free ebook on passively investing in real estate funds. It's also lisahilton.com forward slash funds. So super easy. All right. We'll go there. And if anybody connects, let her know that you heard our conversation, I'd be blessed for her to reach out to me and say, Hey, someone reached out from our podcast. So go do that. (laughs) And then if I, you know, want to learn more about the fun side of it, you even got something there. So it's a really cool education. Is that free? Yes, that is free. So yeah, lisahilton.com forward slash funds. Free ebook. Let's go. Let's go. That's right. You know, there's so much education inside knowledge, you know, out there today that just wasn't available 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And even with the new SEC syndication rules that got opened up, you know, a lot of us wouldn't have been able to get in these types of deals. Like Lisa was mentioning, even 10, 12 years ago, until they change some of the rules for non-accredited investors to get in Regulation D, 506B exemptions. So right now is an opportunity that is open and that you need to take advantage of it. This is how they're truly wealthy and not just individuals, but like organizations, institutions, family offices, Mm -hmm. the real wealth in this country, in, you know, the capitalism, you know, machine that's built they're leveraging these tools to create more wealth. So there should be the big red alarm siren going off that says, if I don't want to work for the rest of my life, Mm -hmm. then I better figure out how to make my money, earn more money. You've worked hard for your money. Now it's time to make your money work for you too. So let's go, right, Lisa? 100%, 100%. That's good. 
So I'm excited about talking with you about funds. I'm excited about talking with you about future opportunities and see if we can help people together. So all that stuff is really cool. What do you think the biggest lesson you've learned Mm -hmm. in investing that, you know, would be like the biggest, you know, single, whether it's an aha moment, whether Mm -hmm. it's due diligence, whether it's like, it was a finally a light bulb, just, you know, a nugget or two that you can drop biggest eye-opening moment for you in investing in general? Yeah, you know, I think two things come to mind. The first one is, you know, is the market. Like, I really believe that, you know, investing in the right markets is super important. I think it's second to investing in with the right operator. So taking the time to get to know really good operators is like, is golden. And, you know, trusting your intuition and believing and taking the time you need to get educated, but definitely, you know, taking action. And the last thing I would say, and this is really for people, you know, regardless of whether you're in real estate or not, like in your life in general, I think it's super important to discover and hone and craft your unique ability. When you are playing in your unique ability, your only competition is only ever you. Yeah. So you really need to think about like, what are you uniquely good at? And like, what are you here to do and serve? And once you start stepping into that and really honing that and getting really good at that, that will help you to add value to everyone around you and bring you to wherever you want to go in life. Amen. Amen. All right. Preach, ma'am. Yeah. I'm I'm pumped. I'm excited. I'm, you know, this is a great conversation with Lisa. I'm ready to, you know, run through a brick wall right here. So (laughs) I'm excited. Who's with me? Who's coming with me is what I want to know. Who's coming? That's right. Let's go. (laughs) So now it's time, you know, we're at the end of our time and I sincerely appreciate it. Let me just say one last thing for our passive investors. If you're ready to take action, and you are ready to take control over your financial freedom, your financial future, now is the time. You need to reach out to Lisa, reach out to me, make a move, and you know, just start a, a relationship with a new operator, new syndicator, uh, look at a new market, make a phone call, go to the invest page. You can go to ours too, www.5tcre.com forward slash invest. Fill that sucker out and let's go. Let's talk. We're ready to make it happen, both of us, for you all. Yeah, so 100%. we spent a lot of time, effort, and energy to educate. Now you need to do your part and take action. So Lisa, is there anything else we didn't cover today? Anything that you were hoping I asked that we just didn't get to? Anything <laughs> no, you know? I think you covered it. We covered a lot. So we did it. Awesome. All right. Thank you again you know, for having me. I appreciate it. It's been an amazing time. So thank you very much. Again, my name is Abel Pacheco. I'm your host for the Five Talents Podcast. You want some amazing conversations and amazing education about real estate, investing, your financial future. This is the show. Come join. And then also the Level Up REI Podcast. Did you put that in your show notes? Did we know where to go to, Lisa? Yeah, that is like lisahilton.com. You'll find the Level Up REI Podcast. It's lisahilton.com forward slash podcast. Okay, very good. We got it. All right. Thank you very much, Lisa. I appreciate it. Everyone on Facebook, have a good one. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Five Talents Podcast with your host, myself, Abel Pacheco. Each week, we're going to bring you interviews from industry experts and commercial real estate investors who followed their dreams and achieved massive success. 
Before you leave, let me ask you a few questions. Did you enjoy this episode? Did you learn something valuable? Was your mind stretched to what's possible and what you can achieve? Do you want other experts just like the one you heard today? If you answered yes to any or all of those questions, then please take a moment to subscribe to the Five Talents Podcast. Give us a five-star rating. And most importantly, leave us a written review. Tell us what you liked. Tell us your favorite guests. Give us any feedback. I'm excited to learn and improve so you can get a more valuable show. So thank you again for subscribing to the Five Talents Podcast.